0: Being up on the hill up here on Sunday mornings at the Vets Hall reminds me so much of my high school years at Arcata High, just like right around the corner. And in 84 to 88, I went to Arcata High. And I was really lucky because my dad let me borrow his uh, Red MG convertible. So I had this like, I mean, there's only five convertibles in all of Humboldt, right? You know, at that time. So I had it. I had this convertible. And uh, of course, as a teenager would do, I built a a speaker box in the back. The whole back seat was all like speaker box, you know, like you build this cool thing with these subwoofers on, you know, and like my six by nine speakers. And I was rocking, you know, with my tunes. And I remember. Driving to school and like feeling so trying to be so cool, you know, with my convertible car and my speakers going and my tunes, you know, I had like Bon Jovi going, Van Halen, you know, Tom Petty, you know, those are my favorites. And there, there was a song that I really liked. This Tom Petty song, "Won't Back Down." Does anybody remember that one, right? And and I remember singing this song, you know, and it was kind of an encouraging song to me because I was like, you know, as a teenager. I was faced with all those pressures that we all have in life, these, these pressures from around us to compromise or, and, and those questions about who am I, what's my identity, what am I all about anyway, and this song gave me sort of this, this strength, you know, like I'm going to be, you know, myself, I'm going to stand up, and, and as a young person, nine or ten years old, I decided I wanted to follow Jesus with my life, and I prayed this prayer and I said, God, I want to follow you. And so as a high schooler, I was trying to figure out what that looked like. How do I follow God? And then also live this life of, of being a high schooler in a public high school where everything's all up in the air and everyone's doing everything. And how do I decide what to do? And how do I stick to my guns and, you know, be true to my all those things. Um, and this song was kind of encouraging to me. And I was thinking, you know, if we were in a big, you know, mega church in Southern California um, in like 1995, there would be a band that would come out right now and play that song for us. You know, I won't back down, right? You know, like this like, cool moment with lights and smoke. But I was thinking, you guys are such great singers. <laughs> that, and, and, you know, karaoke's so popular, you know, right now. So I just thought, why don't we try it? You know, I, I can kind of remember how it goes, you know? Um, so I, I pull it up on the screen here, and I, we're going mean, to just kind of remind yourself of these. Do we, do we got sound going? <laughs> Ah that. We really just did the whole thing. I can't believe it. How much time we got? Oh, man. So Heidi's like, you're not going to sing the whole thing, are you? I mean, that's a little crazy. Wow. Woo. Okay. Daniel 3. Um. <laughs> man, man. So we're talking about Daniel this month. And Daniel faces the most difficult situations and the most challenging things. And he has to find this strength somehow, this courage, to stand up for what he believes in, for his faith, for his values, for his lifestyle, for his culture. Like, and even this fast we're doing is a, is a sign of Daniel's in chapter 1. He's like, I'm not going to eat the fancy king's food. I'm going to stand up against that. I'm going to eat just vegetables and water. Watch me. Watch me and uh, see what happens, and sure enough, right, God blesses him, and, and he gets to keep his identity and retain who he is, he and his friends, and they face these life-and-death situations, one after the other, these life-and-death dramatic situations, and chapter 3 is no, um, uh, it, it's, it's no, it's, it's, it, 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 it's yeah, it, it happens in chapter 3 as well, um, no exception. So, What happens is Daniel is actually serving in another area of the region at this time. It's his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three friends, who've been influenced by Daniel and his powerful choices. And so they're like, yeah, we're in. We want to follow God with everything we got in the midst of being ruled by this oppressive, colonizing empire that's taken over everything. But they're letting Daniel and his friends retain their identity and their worship and who they want to follow, following God except they keep pushing the boundaries on this, right? And the king gets this wild-brained idea. I'm going to make a giant gold statue of myself, and everyone's going to worship me. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have this huge festival. We're going to play this great music, and then um, they're going to make these sounds of these instruments, and then everyone's going to bow down and worship this gold statue of me, you know? And he's, he's got this idea. He's all excited. So... Sure enough, they do it. They build the giant statue, and they say, "Oh, also, if you don't bow down, then whoever doesn't bow down, just as a just a little side note, we're gonna throw you in this burning furnace, this big giant fire pit where you're gonna burn up in front of everybody." So, just a little more incentive to follow the rules, you know. And sure enough, they do it, and all the stuff. And sure enough, the music plays, and um, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, right? These three friends, they do not bow down. They're just like. We ain't doing it. We're standing our ground. And they're like, the guys are telling the king, can you believe it? This happened. These guys, look at look at what they're doing. So, so here's what happens. So verse 15, if you kind of pick it up with me, chapter 3, verse 15, it says this. The king, he's getting super, super mad. Um, he says, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound and the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Okay, so Shadrach and Ameshach and Abednego, they uh, reply to the king, and it's just this awesome reply. They say, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Like, whoa. So radical, right? And so calmly stated. They're just like, you know, our God can do it, and he's miraculous. And he'll do anything, but if he chooses not to, even if he doesn't choose to do it how we want, we're still gonna follow God. We're gonna trust in God's goodness no matter what. Like the faith of these guys, so powerful. Well, of course, the king gets so mad after this, and he's like, all right, oh, turn up the furnace seven times hotter, right? Crank it up. Flames are going. He's like, just throw them in. Forget the whole thing, you know, just throw them in right now. And um, so the guys are going to like, shove them into the furnace, and the people, they're shoving them in, they burn up by the fire. It's so hot that they can't push the guys in enough. And, and sure enough, they, they do. They, they push them in to the flames, and they're like, that's it. They're going to burn up, right? And then here's what happens. Uh, but suddenly, so this is verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement, and he exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. And he says, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound. They're not tied up, and they're walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. And then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out! come here. So that's what happened. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they step out of the fire and the, the officers, the officials, they crowd around them. like, what just happened? I can't believe what just happened. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. And the king's freaking out, right? He's amazed. Nebuchadnezzar, he just says, uh, okay, well, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego then. You know, he sent his angel to rescue his servants to who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, and then the king just makes this new rule, this new decree, he's so inspired. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But there is no, because there is no other God who can rescue like this. Man, I love that last phrase, this king's conclusion. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Man, when we think about this story in chapter 3, this this. This event, there's so many layers to it, right? So many complexities, so many symbols and, and I don't, you, things that jump out for us. Maybe that jump out for you. If you can imagine being those three guys, those three friends in that crowd, what that must have been like, all of the events of that day, what that must have been like. I, I love how it shows that doing the right thing can be costly. Oftentimes, we have to choose the right thing and it, it can cost us and we sort of have to count the cost, right? Right to do the right thing, to kind of be ready for whatever that means. I love how it shows that God can do the impossible, that God can truly blow our minds with miraculous things, and it's up to his choosing to do it. We don't get to turn the gears of heaven by our own efforts or strength or goodness or anything. We get to just watch God do what he wants to do, and these guys, they exemplify that in such a cool way. I I love how it shows that God gives courage when we need it in the most difficult situations, we can ask God for courage. These three guys—they must have had so much courage, just to stand up in that whole thing and then and defy the king, and then just see the burning furnace right there and be like, "Yep, that's probably where we're headed." All right, let's do it. You know, they're just—they're just determined. You know, and and that that God helps them do that. And I love that when they actually get led into the fire, that God doesn't divert them from the fire. They actually have to go in. And then in the middle of the fire, there is God in the midst of that difficulty, in the midst of that challenge. God comforting them. This fourth person in the fire, you know, that looked like a god or some translations will say like a heavenly figure or an angel or some kind of divine character right there with them. This symbol that God walks with us through our trials. He's with us in the most difficult moments of our life. He's right there, right there with us. And, and I love how the faith of these three guys, it influences so many people, right? The king changes his whole mind. He says, okay, you, you can worship your God however you want, you know, and you're free to do that now, right? And he, they, these, this courage of these three guys helps so many other people in their walk of faith as well, right? When we make these big decisions, oh, man, it changes everything. These changes when we let God be in on it. So I wonder, you know, we've been practicing these things this month. How do we practice these things we're learning from Daniel, watching Daniel do? And uh, you might say, well, yeah, that's cool, Justin, but I don't think anytime soon I'm going to be, you know, faced with this situation. You know, I'm probably not going to be in front of a giant gold statue and a burning furnace and, like, this is probably not going to happen. I pray it doesn't. Um, and, and, and yet, right, it doesn't take us too long to realize Man, there are so many idols around us that capture our attention, right? There are so many things in our culture, in our society, that our society values, that our culture values, that says you you got to do this, you got to focus your energy on this, you got to spend money and time and effort on this. You know what your goals should be? It should be this, you know. And we get caught up in that. What are our we in this stream of like motion towards whatever thing? that our society says, this is it, this is the thing. It's kind of like these idols, right, that we, we put up, and we don't even know we're getting pulled in and oftentimes away from God and what God wants to do in our lives. In fact, a great church historian, a father of the church, John Calvin, he's famous for saying this, man's nature, so to speak, is a perpetual factory of idols. <laughs> you know, he says, he says, like, our hearts are idol factories. We just, we just make idols all day long. We create them, you know, in our culture. And, and maybe it, it's some basic ones for us could just be simply like, you know, that idea of popularity, fame, you know, esteem. And, and we, we just go after it. We think we balance our lives. With how much do I have of it? Do I have Am I in that direction? Am I popular enough? Am I famous? Am I esteemed enough? Maybe it's running away. It's the escape thing. Drugs and alcohol and escapism. It just pulls us away and we think that's what I need to be blissed out, right? Just forget about it. That's that's my goal. And it becomes this this idol. We're chasing after this escape. I just need to rest. I just need to get away. I need to numb out, you know? Maybe it's celebrities, right? When we're teenagers, we put our rock star posters on the wall, you know, in our room or college dorm rooms, you know, and it's kind of like american idol you know just says it in the right in the title american idol you know these are idols and we we put them up on a pedestal we kind of put our attention and our focus on them it distracts us right even just the idea of distractions it's just kind of all around us these distractions that kind of pull us away from god and what god wants to do in our life maybe it's maybe it's fitness you know this this striving for like health vibrant health You know, these, like, billionaires who are, like, spending so much money transfusing blood from I don't know what into their bodies, you know, to, like, be healthier. And, like, I mean, we're doing Daniel fast, so we're feeling healthy. You know, we got vegetables and water, feeling good, you know, fruit, vegan. But people can make that an idol, right? They can chase after it, like, this is my thing. And and it focuses all their energy, all their passion towards that direction. Maybe it's even as simple as our personal preferences they get in the way sometimes, right? Like, this is what I like. I love this. I like this when it's like this. And we have these personal preferences that we wrap our lives around. And we just say, this This whole, this, it kind of holds us. It grabs a hold of us. It owns us, really. Like these idols that, that capture our attention. You know, as, as a teenager, I mentioned, I was at Arcata High, and I loved, um, you know, to, to, being a student. I, I tried to have fun, and, I liked having fun. I'm a seven on the Enneagram, so It means I like to party. I like celebrations all the time. Everything's fun. When's the next fun thing? And I got to be a part of Young Life, which was really cool. And in Young Life, another one of the organizations we get to support as branches, at Young Life, I got to lead the music sometimes. And it was so fun. These big pizza parties at friends' houses where we'd play music. We'd share a little bit about Jesus. There'd be games. And there'd be tons of students there that don't really go to church. And we get to share about God for the first time a lot of times to students and my friends and it was so fun and it was a different kind of party than the other kind of parties that my other high school friends were having. You know, these keggers at the beach, you know, down at pump station 4, whatever. Big kegger parties and I wasn't really invited to a lot of the kegger parties. I, I, I wanted, maybe I wanted to be, but I wasn't sure like what to do if I got there, I don't know, you know, what? and I wasn't really, you know, comfortable with all that. I knew I didn't want to follow that direction of culture But I also wanted to be cool and I wanted to have fun. Um, And I came up with this idea. I want to have a party, but I can't center it around like alcohol, kager and stuff. But also, Coca-Cola was kind of popular back then in the in the 80s. We had classic Coke, we had Coke, cherry Coke, you know, we had regular Coke, you know, we had so there's all these kinds of Coke, and it was kind of fun. And I thought, let's have a Coca-Cola party. What if we just did that? (laughs) Coca-Cola party at my house. And um, I was grateful. My parents were in support of me. I had a couple of friends that said, yeah, we'll do this, Justin. Let's do it. We'll see if we can rally students around a fun party at your house that isn't around a keg, but we'll open up the refrigerator, we'll clear it all out, and we'll just stack it with Coca-Cola, all the different kinds of (laughs) Coca-Cola. And it'll be this fun Coca-Cola party, kind of like this anti-culture, whatever, different thing. And um, this was before, like, Straight Edge was cool or any of those things. I was just making this up. I thought maybe this would work. And I was so nervous a little bit. What are my friends are going to think this is dorky, oh, lame, i am I going to go to that thing? Um, and I just waited and hoped, you know, are they going to come? Are they going to show up? We stacked the whole thing, refrigerator, freezer, freezer full of Coca-Colas, all the different kinds. We put chips out, snacks. It's going to be a fun sort of hangout at my house. No alcohol. Would this work, you know? And sure enough, I was so glad. People came. It was so fun, right? The whole place was full, and we were all, like, you know, enjoying our different Coca-Colas, whatever. And it was just kind of a different way, right, to to do a party. But it was a challenging proposition, like, are you going to make a stand? Are you going to try something different? Are you going to step out in a different way, not compromise, you know? When we get older, beyond our teenage years, doesn't that challenge get just more and more complex? You know, deeper, and, and a little more difficult. We're in situations in our jobs, or our workplaces, our family life, where it's like, boy, we're, we're in some really complex situations. And what is it to stand up in those times for what we believe in? Or what is our conviction? What is our faith all about? I, I read this article. I really, really was inspired by this. It says, we need to learn to speak the truth clearly with humility in our own workplaces. And General Peter Pace He's a former chairman of the U.S. military joint chiefs of staff. Okay, this is adult stuff, like grown-up stuff, right? He says, what I have come to really admire is something I call intellectual courage. This is the ability to sit in a room full of very powerful people and see a conversation going in one direction and feeling in your gut that something is not right and having the temerity to say, I see it differently and here's why. In practice, he says, courage often results from being prepared, right? Daniel's friends knew the dangers inherent in their positions, and they were prepared to face the consequences of standing firm in their convictions. So being prepared, that's a big part of it, right? But how do we have the courage to do this? Oh, man, how do we get the courage? Where do we get this courage to stand up like this and and to, to speak the truth in a calm way? To, to own who we are and, and, and to, to kind of honor God, honor his direction in our lives in the midst of pressure around us. I think big part of it, well, of course, praying, like we said, we talk to God, we say, God, help us. Give us the courage, right? Another thing I think is so cool about this story is sometimes we miss it. Daniel, his friends, these three friends, they're three friends. They're a community. They're, they're like a little group And the fact that they back each other up is so powerful, right? They're a group together. Imagine what you could do if you knew you weren't alone. If you knew you had somebody in your corner, at your back, the famous Navy SEALs, the famous, you know, the armed forces, no man left behind, right? They just go after it. And we just heard the story this week of someone jumping into the ocean on a mission and another one jumping after him. Just this, this ability to say, I know that I'm not going to be alone in this if I go for it. Uh, we're a community. And, and this morning when we gather like this, one piece of this is that it's a reminder that you're not alone. You're in community, right? We're, we're a family. In fact, I, I love right behind me, it's a reminder. There's a, there's a reminder right behind me. It says us. <laughs> yeah. Us. Isn't that cool? Like. It's not just you, you know, on your own. It's us. We're together. We're together in this together. And you're not alone. And and, and when we think about that, it can empower us. It can help us. That's one huge thing I love about small groups. Man, we're going to launch small groups next week. I'm going to talk all about small groups. And it's this huge way to get connected to a supportive group that reminds you you're not alone. It's a chance to share your requests, the challenges you're going through. And have people pray with you, encourage you, help you. You're gonna. You can find a, a little little three-person group like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. They'll get your back as you walk through challenges, as you make challenging decisions in your life, as you try to do the right thing with God's help uh, and His courage. And so I love, I, I love small groups, and so excited about presenting those this next week and the week after we'll have signups you can join a group and then we'll launch our groups for the spring semester and just kind of see what God does as we all gather around from from all the way from like McKinleyville all the way to South Eureka meeting in homes all over the place there's so many different kinds of groups to get involved in and it's just a big way uh, to connect with others and connect with God well, I, I love Nebuchadnezzar's speech at the end, right? He gives this last speech, you know, and he tells everyone, you got to follow God and all this. And, and, and he proclaims that big proclamation at the end, there is no other God who can rescue like this. I just love that phrase, there is no other God who can rescue like this. And, and that is so true in, in that moment. This, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he was just... Calling it out for what it is in that moment. He didn't know that he was also predicting, prophesying way hundreds of years forward that there would be a God who would rescue like this, that you and I would be in a place where we needed a rescue, where we were in the in the pit of our own sort of fiery selfishness, our own destruction, di- distorted relationship with God, that we couldn't fix with our own goodness in any way and, and that Jesus would come and stand in our place and then he would be that rescue that we needed he'd be that rescue he would stand with us in the furnace of our lives he'd lead us out that Jesus would die on a cross for us in our place and then he'd rise again on the third day and he'd offer us this life with God, like this way to connect with God, not based on our efforts or holiness, but on Jesus and what he did and who he is. And so he rescues us. He rescues us towards this relationship with God that that changes everything. It it empowers us, it strengthens us, it helps us be who we were created to be. And it, and it promises us this relationship with God forever. And so I love this rescue that we find uh, in Jesus. We need strength and courage, right? And God is with us. He's with us through, through those challenges. Maybe this morning you're, you're facing a situation where you got to make a difficult decision you you got to kind of stand against the tide of the current culture, way it's going. The value system of your community group is saying, like, do this, do this. Isn't this cool? You should do it. Why don't you do it? You're just so crazy that you don't do that. And then you're like, no, I'm not because of this. And, and there's this challenge, this push. And I just I pray this morning that you could take that situation and ask God to help you, to challenge you, to stand up and be courageous follow Daniel, dare to be Daniel, right? Um, maybe you're in a fire this morning. Maybe you're in that furnace. You're like right in the middle of it. It feels like just everything is just kind of falling apart around you. And you're kind of like, what am I going to do in the midst of this? And I just want to remind you this morning, God is with you. He's with you in the middle of that. And and he's there to, to link arms with you, with you through it, to strengthen you. And so I just invite you to Open your heart to him this morning. If that's where you're at, say, Jesus, help me. Be with me in this. Let me see you in the middle of this challenge that I'm in. Well, we're going to sing a last song, and it's a song that really tells the story of Jesus' rescue, this power of this rescue, this salvation that he brings. And so I'll invite the band to to come up. And the song starts out, it says, you know, Jesus, says, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. And this song talks about standing in the power of Christ. talks about standing in the, the forgiveness and the grace of Christ. And so I thought this morning maybe as a just kind of like a symbol of us saying, yeah, I, I, I want that. you know I, I want to stand in the grace of Jesus in the middle of the things that want to push me down or kind of um, barricade me and I want to stand up so that so that Jesus can can lead me and guide me and strengthen me. And and so as a way of of doing that this morning, I thought we could maybe just as the band plays, we could just stand together, right? And just say, all right, here I am. I want to stand in the power of Jesus, in the grace of Jesus. As we stand together, we just say, God, give us courage. Give us strength. God, I pray that you would help us. In the, in the challenges that we might have, the decisions we might have right before us that come up daily that we need to choose you over everything else that seems to pull us away from you, that sometimes seems enticing, seems to make sense, seems attractive, but God, draws us towards you. The r- real life is found. The real hope is found. God, I pray for those that are standing this morning who are standing in the middle of a, a fire, of a furnace of a challenge, a trial in their life, and I pray, God, that you would help them. You'd wrap your arms around them. They would see you in the middle of it with them, and that, God, you would lead them out. God, you'd guide them out. You'd comfort them in the middle, and you'd guide them to safety, that you would um, help them come out unscathed so that, God, they aren't affected by this situation, but they're empowered and strengthened by the ways that you rescue. And they'll be able to tell stories about how you rescued and how you came through for them. And so, God, I I pray for that right now this morning. This congregation, for us, God, that we could be people that stand for you, that make a difference for you, that stick out of our culture because of how we point to you and how amazing your love is and your goodness and your grace is, and that it draws many to you, God. Many can find this love and grace that we stand in this morning. So God, as we sing, may these words echo deep in our heart. May they be a way that we tell you this morning uh, our prayers and the cry of our heart today. In Jesus' name.